0: Okay, you're in for a good one this morning. (laughs) And part of the reason I say that is because I'm uh, going to share a personal story. uh, One that I haven't talked about uh, very much before, um, not here or even just in any situation. Um, And it's really weird. In fact... It's uh perhaps a little spooky. Many of you know that I taught English in China for a year after I graduated from University of Washington. I'd become a Christian about three years prior to going to China. Um, I hadn't grown up in the church and wasn't really it wasn't really until college that I began to really... Take a close look at things. And then, uh, a a little into my college years, as Paul puts it uh, in his prayer in Ephesians, the eyes of my heart were opened. Now, the context here is important. I was a typical college kid in the United States, I was in a fraternity. At one point, I was president of the fraternity. At a big public university, My church community was essentially a big uh, mainline Protestant congregation. So all of this is very mainstream stuff, right? Just pretty average American, US college kid. In my senior year at the university, I found out about an opportunity to go to China to teach English that was all set up through a Christian organization. During a couple of weeks of training in California, just before we went over, they started talking at one point about spiritual warfare. I'd seen the movie The Exorcist, so this wasn't entirely foreign to me, but it certainly was not familiar turf. I paid attention to what they were saying, but I mostly thought, whatever, that's for those fringe people. When I got to China, I began to understand why they had been trying to prepare us. I won't go into all of the reasons why I say this, but it was a whole new world for me spiritually. Words that had been completely empty of meaning before all of a sudden became real. Spirits, demons, spiritual warfare. Scriptures that I had previously just skipped right over as irrelevant became vital, including this morning's scripture, that Jesus is the name above all names. Which brings me to the specific Experience. One night, asleep in my little mosquito netting tent, I began to d- dream that something was entering into my body and starting to clutch sort of at my heart, but it was more intense than that. Uh, it was like it was clutching my whole soul. And it seemed far more real than a dream, even though I was somehow aware that I was asleep, I was also at the same time conscious that there was something sort of existentially real about what was going on. Now, thankfully, shortly after I had arrived in the city that I was in, Guangzhou, I had made contact with four other people who were from the states, teaching with the same program in the same city, but at a different university uh, on the other side of the city. I'd already met with them uh, several times and learned a great deal from them. They were all older than I, they had all lived in, other parts of the world, and had already been in China for several years. At our meetings, I would talk about some of the things that I was observing. None of it fazed them at all. They had already heard, seen, been through way more than I was talking about. One time, one of them had said to me, you know, if you ever feel scared, call on Jesus by name. He was very specific, by name. He said, if you feel the presence of something evil, say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. He was combining, essentially, uh, this morning's scripture from Ephesians that Jesus' name is above all names with Jesus' own words Ask anything in my name, and it will be given to you. So, on that night, when I felt that some evil force was essentially trying to steal my soul, I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. Now, here's where it gets weird. If, it, if you thought it was weird before, now's where it gets really weird. I could hear those words being said, but it wasn't my voice that was saying them. It was super low. It was sort of almost a growl more than actual voice and I could feel it rumbling inside of me. I kept repeating that same thing over and over again because I was really scared. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you as I became more awake, I could feel this voice working its way out of me from sort of deep within me coming up and through my through my throat and out of my mouth. it kept uh, getting the voice kept getting closer to sounding like my own voice every time I would invoke the name of Jesus. And by this point, I was wide awake and my mouth was moving. I knew it was my mouth that was saying these things. The words were definitely coming from me. And so I continued to say it enough times until I felt that whatever it had been, in me was clearly out of me, and that it was clearly my own voice speaking those words in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. Nothing like that has ever happened again. Didn't happen in China, it hasn't happened here in the States. Most of you know me well enough to know this is not the kind of stuff that I talk about. These are not the kind of stories I tell or focus on. I don't talk much about angels, Satan, demon possession in sermons or in anything. I focus far more, especially these days, on very human evil and wrongdoing, and especially as it relates to whole systems and political systems these days especially but I do believe in the existence of powers and principalities that are other than human and material. And I think that many people believe in the existence of these things as well. Most of us know that there are occurrences in our lives and in our world that can't be explained by mainstream understanding of things. Uh, I think most of us have either had direct experiences or significant inklings of other powers at work in the world. What Paul is telling the Ephesians in our text for this morning, and consequently, I believe what God is telling us through Paul's words, is that no matter what powers exist, No matter what we call them, here and now or elsewhere or ever, Jesus is Lord over all and above all. For the Ephesians to whom Paul was writing, all this talk uh, of mine about my early suspicion of or um, in unfamiliarity with, spirits, and spiritual powers would have been very confusing to them. Alan Verhee and Joseph Howard, in their commentary on this letter uh, to the Ephesians, explain. They write that for first century Jewish people and Gentiles, it was widely agreed that there were unseen forces at work in the world heavenly beings who exercised power on earth. Among Jewish people, uh, the concept of powers was traced to both the angels who served as messengers for God in, throughout the scriptures and their experience, and to the many gods who claimed sovereignty over everything from fertility to certain nations. Among Gentiles, they write, the place and power of divine beings was manifest in astrology, in magic, and not least in the cult of the emperor. The modern distinction between the spiritual and the secular powers was not made in the first century. These spiritual powers that they're talking about were integrated to every aspect of life. And sometimes in very complex systems, in a very early work essentially translated the celestial hierarchy, the author Dionysius of, uh, Dionysius the Areopagite, listed a scheme of orders in three sets of three, descending from the highest to the lowest, seraphim, cherubim, and thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, then principalities, archangels, and angels. So, you know, very elaborate, again, whether you're part of the the Jewish faith and heritage or uh, the Roman Greek, Greco-Roman, Gentile base. In addition to all these sort of celestial beings and powers, or heavenly powers, there were all the human powers to be dealt with. Tom Wright throws out some as an example. Local magistrates and officials, provincial rulers and governors, princes, kings, the emperor himself, In other words, there were a plethora of forces at work in the lives of the Ephesians, both seen and unseen. And almost all of them seemingly working against the Ephesians and their desire to follow Christ. But Paul makes this audacious claim that no matter who, they are thinking of or talking about, no matter what it is, Jesus is greater and more powerful. Jesus is above them all. As we looked at last week, Paul's main evidence for this is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from death. John Stott writes about that, that About this, that God has given a public demonstration of God's power in the resurrection and exaltation of Christ. The resurrection and the ascension were a decisive demonstration of divine power. For there are two powers which human beings cannot control, but which hold them in bondage they are death and evil. Human beings are mortal. They cannot avoid death. Human beings are fallen. They cannot overcome evil. But God in Christ has conquered both and therefore can rescue us from both. And the picture that Paul gives us for our encouragement is Jesus seated on the throne with God in heaven. verses 19 through 20. That power is the same power which God exerted in Christ when God raised him from dead, the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all dominion and rule. In addition, Paul claims in verse 21, he's above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can give, be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. One of the commentator commentators I read highlights the effect of this addition that Paul gives. He writes, the statement of Christ's absolute and unmatched supremacy is brought to its height with this proclamation, which embraces within its sweep the totality of created objects, not only as they now are, but as they might be hereafter in any possible future. So Paul is is saying that it's not only now, that Jesus is the name above all name and greater. It doesn't matter what happens in the future, what new power pops up or appears or we discover, black holes, doesn't matter. Whatever it is, for all time, Jesus is greater. That's the vision that Daniel had centuries earlier of the ancient one on the throne, and fire coming out, and thousands upon thousands are standing before the throne and then he continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking, and the horn represents all of these evil, dark principalities and powers that are at work in the world. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire in my vision at night, I looked. And there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and human beings of every language worshipped him. His dominion is everlasting. It will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus himself in that gospel passage acknowledges that this is how he viewed himself. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I am with you always till the end of the age. Nothing and no one in our lives has more power than, And authority greater than Jesus, now or ever. As I was preparing for this sermon series on Ephesians weeks ago, one of the passages that struck me most profoundly out of all that I read through this whole book, all the amazing ideas that are in this letter, was one that Paul shares right in the opening address. He begins this letter, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That name, Lord, for us, is it's another one of those names for power that have basically lost their meaning for us here in the United States. But think about what this meant for Paul to call Jesus our Lord. Royalty still ruled much of the the world. Often with absolute power in their own land. Paul was a citizen of Rome, the greatest empire that the world had ever known. The emperor held the power of all of the greatest kings, rulers, lords combined. Paul was actually in Rome when he wrote this letter. Paul was in the emperor's prison when he wrote this letter. He knew the power and the authority of The emperor. The official stance of the Roman Empire was that that the emperor was essentially God's representative on earth and divine because of that. Jesus was the son of a carpenter, a sort of makeshift rabbi in the backwoods of the empire. He made a little ripple of commotion for a few years in those same backwoods at the outskirts of the empire, and then he was executed as a depraved criminal. The worst criminals got crucifixion, and that's how he was executed. Paul hadn't even known Jesus personally when Jesus was wandering about teaching and and speaking. Paul had a, a very... Significant encounter with the risen Jesus, after, but it was after his death and resurrection. Paul had never met him before. And here, Paul is declaring, while he's in the emperor's jail, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is not only my Lord, he's our Lord. He is the Lord of all lords. I read that, and I just, finally, I've I've read that so many times. Jesus is Lord, our Lord. But it, it dawned on me how astonishing it is for him to write that, considering all the circumstances. But Paul believed this with everything in him. Paul believed that no matter how it seems otherwise, no one, no thing in our lives has greater power and authority than Jesus, now or ever. We all have powers, many powers at work in our lives. Physical, emotional, spiritual, historical, uh, political, economic, We all have people and things in our lives that that seem to loom over us. As Paul reminds the Ephesians, and therefore God reminds us, it doesn't matter what we call them. It doesn't matter whether we can see them or not. Jesus is king, the king of all kings. Jesus is The Lord of all Lords, the Prime Minister of all Prime Ministers, the President of all Presidents. Jesus is the name above all names. Thanks be to God.